the Premier League season is over, but we still have the FA Cup final, Champions League and Europa League to come. And Bet365 are offering a wide range of markets, including first, last or anytime goal scorer. With over 45 million members, it's the world's favourite online betting company. With the Bet365 Bet Builder, you can combine match results, players to score, number of goals and more to create your own personalised bet. And if you can't watch the games live with Bet365 Match Live feature, you can follow every moment through live graphics and text. Bet365 is the world's favourite online sports betting company. The app can be downloaded from the Google Play and Apple App Store. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Hello everybody and welcome to Pod on the Tyne, your go-to Newcastle United podcast brought to you by The Athletic. My name is Taylor Payne, I'm joined by George Culkin and Chris Woff and I'm going to be honest, this is the podcast that we didn't really want to have to make uh, and I think we'll all agree on that. Uh, the PCP, Staveley, Ruben Brothers and PIF bid uh, to take over Newcastle United has been withdrawn and as far as that is concerned, the takeover is effectively off. Um, George, I'm going to go straight to you because obviously you've been close to this um, and I just want to get your feelings initially on on what's happened in the last 48 hours and also what's been going on this week. Well, um, yes, I interviewed Amanda Staveley last night and as of this morning, I'm very, very sober. So you can draw yeah. your own conclusions from that, although I do slightly feel like I've got a hangover. It's, uh, this, is, this is not the funny podcast this week. I'm just letting letting our listeners know that we've uh, we've recorded an end of season pod um in which we sort of talk about this season this mad season and um you'll you'll get bits and bobs of sort of humor on that but this is not that podcast yes um yeah there was a there is a big feeling of deflation around and a lot of anger and sort of what's happened this week on tuesday in fact when we recorded when we were recording our end of season pod the the group the consortium trying to buy the club were very close to releasing a statement. And at that point, that statement would have been basically a kind of gloves off to the Premier League, calling them out, trying, you know, trying to force the the, the issue back into their court, telling them that, you know, that constant uh, prevarication, refusing to give a kind of deadline for a decision to be made was unacceptable and throwing it back to them. By Thursday morning, that statement had become had become very different and it was Saudi led this statement so much so yeah. that it actually caused surprise to a lot of people around the other parts of the consortium and the people sort of looking looking particularly looking at the football operation and 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 yes the Saudis pulled out why did they do that well according to Amanda Staveley the reason for that is that the Premier League were demanding that because PIF is a um, is a public investment fund of the Saudi state, they were sort of insisting that the Saudi Saudi government took the Saudi state took a place on the board that was impossible, and yeah. Saudis who basically you know were, were who were offering to buy something who were offering to invest in the country and in the region did not feel welcome, and because of the lack of a time scale, either way led that decision to pull out i mean she was she was uh very upset um yeah. i spoke to her and, and made out her husband last night and really crushed and you know there's obviously there's a huge amount of anger aimed at the premier league and in particular to richard masters um for for this happening or not happening 
Yeah, Chris, how are we feeling? How are we doing, mate? Are we, are we okay? Tired, deflated, as, as, and yeah, still still trying to process everything, as I know all Newcastle United fans are out there. As George mentioned, I mean, we spent uh, the, the the middle part of this week getting ready for, for what we thought was going to be a statement. I mean, George and I got up really early on Wednesday, and then, with, then that statement didn't come out on, on Wednesday as we thought it might, and so... yeah. Uh, we didn't we didn't know if we'd ever get to write that piece. I mean, George and I have, have written a few different sort of takeover Q&As or pieces ready where we thought something was going to happen proactively or either the takeover was maybe going to uh, get the green light or at some point th- this week when we thought the statement was going to come out. But but instead, yesterday, I mean, when the statement actually came out, it, it, was, a, it was a surprise to us. We didn't think it was going to be that. We didn't know it was going to be that in advance. So we, like everyone else uh, in the Northeast Press Pack or I'm sure around the country, were hitting the phones and trying to find out exactly what has happened and why it has reached this stage. And yeah, I mean, it's, I just, I really feel, and you've seen that outpouring out there. I just feel for Newcastle United fans because there's so, I, I just, I'm getting, I'm getting annoyed by this sort of, this sort of statements, which may seem condescending for people out there for the club going, Oh, well look at the situation our clubs in, or you didn't want to be taken over by the Saudi regime and all this sort of stuff. It's, yeah. but it, it forgets that nuance, which we've talked about so much throughout this is, Newcastle fans, or the vast majority of them, most of the longing is for a post-Mike Ashley era, and now all these people are now coming out and saying all these other prospective buyers. Well, maybe there is, and I hope that there is, but we've had this for 13 years. Newcastle fans are struggling to see beyond Mike Ashley, and this was the time it finally looked like it might be the end of that, and that's why I think this has been felt so keenly across Tyneside and beyond, and why I do hope that Mm. there is a swift re- resolution of some form because, uh, I mean, George and I have reflected it in one piece. We've got three pieces actually up on The Athletic, which you can read at the minute. There's a 30-day yeah. free trial uh, if you visit theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod if you're not a subscriber. So George and I have written about the background and why this happened. He's also yeah. done this interview with uh, Steve Lee and Mirhead Gadusi, And then also Matt Slater has given the other side, which is, is, is from basically the Premier League's perspective and Bain's perspective. And we've tried to explain as much as we can in this short period of time Time, but there'll be plenty more explaining and, and fallout, I'm sure, over the next few days and weeks. And just to sort of add to all this stuff about statements, the club actually have released a statement through Lee Chandley uh, today, which is sort of vaguely ironic, bearing in mind we were um, <laughs> we were complaining about the lack of communication from Mr Chandley the other day. Yeah, and, I mean, there's times the, when you'd rather not hear from him, isn't there? Let's be well, honest. true. <laughs> this is probably um, one of them. <laughs> I mean, it's a very. I mean, it it actually. I mean, sort of typically of Newcastle, it it only serves to sort of pr- prompt more questions rather than less. I mean, but he says, he says, we acknowledge yesterday's statement, never say never. But to be clear, Mike Ashley is 100% committed to this deal, brackets, sale, close brackets. However, our current focus must now be on supporting Steve Bruce in the transfer market and on the preparations for the new season, which sort of holds out the hope that, yeah. to, 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 to my reading of it, that holds out the hope that, this this deal can be can be kind of brought back to the table. I mean, and so the stuff the stuff to be talked talked about about that the stuff to be talked about what if anything happens next. I mean, from the conversations you know I had with Amanda Staveley and 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 me and Dad last night, they say that the deal you know all the parties would would sign the deal tomorrow, but that would be on the proviso that the you know that the Premier League that the Premier League were going to give them approval, and and she was very she was very 
upset and she was very emotional and um you know i think her thoughts were kind of bouncing around all over the place at that stage i'm not sure how there would how there could be a clear pathway to that point from no. here i mean there is huge anger at the premier league and as i say and 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 richard masters they do believe that they've been told and on on a number of occasions now you know fans will have seen this in you know in stuff that's been written and and put on twitter but um sources very close to the consortium were saying yesterday were were reiterating yesterday that they had had you know that they had had the word unofficial word from the premier league on two occasions before the before the deal went into the premier league and again uh, yeah. not long after it did that they would be getting approval and something has changed and so could could this come back in a different form, I think it's very difficult. The way it was put to me today was that um, effectively Staveley would have to go go back to, to Piff and say the Premier League will give you approval. I'm not sure how that happens at this point. Um, and as always, the Premier League have refused to comment. They didn't say anything yesterday and they still haven't said anything. So we still have a, you know, from their perspective, there's still a vacuum. This podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, the expert in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineering tools for your family jewels. And Manscaped what? has just launched in the UK. <laughs> We've gone years without using the right tools for the job, so you can be one of the first men in the country to experience Manscaped's life-changing products. Uh, their third is generation it a, is trimmer... It a, is it a chainsaw? Can I get on with the script, please, George, before yes. we start jumping in? Their third-generation trimmer, strimmer, hedge trimmer, features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents. And the water-resistant technology allows you to groom whilst in the shower or in the bath, talking to Steve Bruce. Uh, we've got a special offer for you right now, listening to this podcast. Get 20% off and free shipping by using the code EPL20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping and manscaped by using the code EPL20. Happy shaving. And I hope that is the only 20% off. George, are you going to get Are you going to get one of those? <laughs> Hashtag knee pubes. Knee pubes. Um, knee pubes. Wow. Well, I mean, it's the future, this, isn't it? This is the future. So. Um, this is what all the lads are know, doing. Specialist equipment to mm. uh, to get rid of the old to get rid of the old uh, pubes. Um, I'd like to know where Chris stands on this subject. How do you mean by why I, where I stand? Very far away, I'd well, imagine. I'm not saying hands I, over I, his eyes. I'm not. I, I'm not talking about your sack shaving stance. Oh, look, that was quite a good alliteration. I'm not talking about your sack shaving stance. I'm talking about where you stand on the whole idea of male grooming. Each to their own. I think it's. Uh, I think some some more natural. Some you know people people Nicely prefer. Dodged. prefer You're quite uncomfortable. Things. You're quite uncomfortable Nicely talking about dodged. stuff like this, aren't you, Chris? Yeah. For a man so ready to talk about meat, he doesn't want to talk about his meat. No, <laughs> I think I think it's important. I mean, so my my personal philosophy on this is to um, is to is to be streamlined for the summer. I like to be streamlined for the summer, and I like to grow a full all over body pelt for the winter. I think it's. I mean, I think this is you know prehistoric man kicking in. It's those old. It's those old instincts. But mm. I want to be one giant ball of hair in the cold winter months and then when summer comes along i want to be streamlined so i can catch that gazelle and nothing is going to interfere with your catching of that gazelle with hairy balls getting caught on brambles and stuff like that so that's <laughs> I, that's very much my whatever that's my so i'm all in favor of manscaping and i will be signing up for that 
to be honest, I think the thing that hurts this so much about this, um, and excuse me if I'm not my usual uh, chirpy self and the words are sticking in the throat somewhat as well today, but um, the thing that hurt, that hurts so much about this is that this is without a doubt the closest that we've ever been to this. I mean, we were one stamp of approval or one signature oh, yeah. away from, from being rid of Mike Ashley. And I think... I mean, personally, that was the thing that I was most excited about. Um, you know, people talk about the squillions of pounds being spent on ridiculous players uh, and, you know, all of that sort of stuff. But the things that, w- that were exciting me the most were, in the in no particular order, getting rid of Mike Ashley, um, the investment into the football club and into the city itself, and just the prospect of Newcastle United fans having something to be excited about. Um, and I think that's why this is hurt much more than it has done in the past when takeovers have fell through. I don't think we've ever been at we've never been to this point before. It just it just feels like it's been snatched away from us at the last second yet and I was gonna say yet again, but it's never been this last second, has it? No, this is no, literally no. the very no. end of it and it's gone. And it, it yeah. just it hurts so much. It's horrible. You're you're absolutely right. It was it was effectively one signature away. I mean, and another thing to another th- thing to kind of that's a, a very important clarification. And again, Staverley wanted to uh, to emphasise this point very very strongly that no absolutely no blame is attached to to Mike Ashley for this. Yeah. Um, yeah. That so so what happened was that towards the end of uh, June, the original contract that they'd signed and agreed expired now we've tried to talk about some of this it's been very difficult when under the sort of non-disclosure agreements and and when you're talking to sources and inverted commas it's very difficult to explain the true picture but what happened when that deal was signed and agreed there was there was a there was an ending to it now at the at that moment when it was signed nobody but nobody thought that that date would be relevant and so um you know, the, obviously, there has to be an end. There has to be an end point to a contract or an agreement because you can't just linger on forever, which is kind of yeah. ironic in this in this um, in these circumstances. Yeah. But so they agreed that date. Now, when that date expired, I was sort of told at the time that the natural thing to do was that they would just carry on; that it would sort of be extended. And indeed, that is what's happened because it was a month ago, and they've carried on. You know, carried on through this process. Ashley, Mike Ashley did use that moment as uh, as as a, as, a, as an excuse to ask for for more money, but uh, but that was his right, and they'd agreed again according to the Staveley side they had agreed to pay it, and that wasn't a problem. It was mm. not a. I mean, everybody acknowledges that Mike Ashley is a difficult is a difficult person to do business with. I'm sure he would take pride in that. And you know that's fair enough. But that was not the problem. That was not the problem. I mean, one thing I kind of wrote is that you would have thought that actually dealing with Mike Ashley was the was the difficult bit. <laughs> would be the yeah. difficult bit in yeah, this, yeah. and it was the first time. It definitely was, but this time that's not been that's not been the case. So there's no, you know, there is no kind of blame attached to him in that, and this has become such an emotive and contentious and controversial uh, subject because. We have been talking about human rights, and we have been talking about uh, piracy. But from the Newcastle perspective, the the sort of the 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 huge shame, the the the, the pity, is that everything that Staveley and the group have said has been the kind of things that Newcastle want to hear. It's now fans have wanted yeah. to hear. Yeah. Now, whether it's about the emotion attached to the club and their feeling towards it, to the plans they have, and again, Staveley said that. 
250 million quid was kind of earmarked to improving the team and club over the first couple of years and that there were big plans for investing that the PIF had big plans for investing in the city and the region including housing all that sort of stuff and that that's been lost now that's important to us I mean that that would have been important to us at a time and she she said that they've spoken to the council you know at a time when we're going to be suffering economically because of a because of you know the economy b because of the the pandemic c that sort of stuff has just been happening to us a lot over the last kind of few yeah. few decades we we you know we're crying out for investment and things like that absolutely that yeah. that's a big blow you know that is a big blow now nobody knows whether they would have turned out to be the ideal owners or good owners or competent owners but mm. as you as you rightly both say it allowed us um this little window into something else into something better into yeah. something different and towards those notions of investment and TLC, as she put it, which is precisely what the club needs. And at the moment, that's that's not the uh, that's not the future we're facing, sadly. Yeah. I mean, I, I put a, a tweet out last night saying I, I, it feels like um, this has worked out wonderfully for the Premier League because they haven't had to make um, a decision either way on this. It's just ran its course. Uh, and I think the Premier League will be delighted at the fact that they haven't had to bring any scrutiny upon themselves by making that decision uh, and the backlash that would have came with that decision, whichever way it had been uh, decided. If it had been waved through, the, there would have been backlash for that. If it had been knocked back, there would there could possibly have been legal issues and stuff like that as well. So I, th I think from a Premier League point of view, they'll probably be pretty damn chuffed at the fact that uh, the bid's been withdrawn rather than them having to actually make a decision. Um, I don't know how you feel about that, Chris. I don't know if that's the gut feeling that you get, or if it's anything. If there's anything to that, but that just—I know they've. It. I just. It feels like they've moved the goalposts around. When we're talking about an owners and directors test, which is laid out in black and white, it feels like the goalposts have been moved. I don't well, know. that's what the prospective buyers allege. I mean, if you read Matt Slater's piece on the Athletic, which I very much recommend you do, because our piece's immediate reaction is more from the prospective buyer side. Mine, George's piece, sort of outlining why they have taken this move and why they have sort of pulled back on the deal. But then Matt goes into sort of both the Premier League and being sports side of things, and it explains all about piracy. And there's a quote in it that says this was a it was a thousand percent about piracy. Now. That may well be the case, and I'm sure it isn't connected with everything else, but the frustration that I and I'm sure most Newcastle United fans have with that is that why why didn't they reject the deal then early on, or why did it drag yeah. on this long? If there is a reason why, and it looked like we were going to reach a, con a positive conclusion, why was that not communicated towards uh, the prospective buyers more clearly, or why mm. is the Premier League uh, not come out and made that clear? I mean, th this, is, this is such an opaque process, and for... The, the most important yet least listened to group of people, which is the supporters, they have no idea what has been going on for the mm. last 16 weeks, which has left the club also in limbo, as, we, as George and I have written about, as we've spoken about on this podcast, yeah. whereby transfers have been placed on hold, contract situations, everything. But players have been with the likes of Matty Longstaff and have, be, have been waiting to see if they're going to have someone else to be able to negotiate their contract. Yeah. So this is affecting everything. And although I accept and, and I, I do empathise with the Premier League and how difficult a situation this is for them, and they never asked for this to be brought before them, but this is one of their own 20-member clubs and the fans of one of their own 20-member clubs, and this has really negatively affected them. I think that 
I personally feel the Premier League ha- should come out and explain. I know that maybe that there'll be confidentiality issues they can't discuss, but I just think that they need to come out and, and speak because certainly on Tyneside and amongst a lot of Newcastle fans, I think faith in the Premier League has, has really eroded over the last few weeks and months. And given that I think there's already been issues with that before, given that, that, that there's a certain, there's maybe six clubs who it's almost seems a cartel at the top. We need, I think answers are needed, or at least some sort of clarity is, is needed. Lee Charnley's statement, yes, it, it doesn't say that much, but at least Newcastle have come out and acknowledged it because I didn't necessarily know if they were going to because it would be very typical of them not to. But the Premier League haven't yet, and that's who we need to hear from now. Yeah, I mean, the, the the other thing, you mentioned sort of other clubs and cartel. I mean, one of the other things that the the consortium are very kind of disappointed about is the fact that, in particular, a couple, a couple of other clubs uh, were briefing very, very heavily against them. And Stavely says in that piece I did was that that was sort of born out of jealousy. Now, those those clubs have been named elsewhere. They've been reported to be Spurs and, and Liverpool, and that's, mm-hmm. that's my understanding as well. And... You know, fine clubs have to sort of stand up for themselves and, and stick up for themselves. I, I I mean, I I just feel so passionately about this that whether it's fans coming back into the stadium or fans not being in the stadium at the moment to this whole process that precisely as Chris says, that, that they're the people who are ignored and fine, football is a business now and it's a multi-billion pound business now and I guess there have to be, you know... If they're if they're corporations, if they're businesses, that's you know we 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 sort of have to accept that as fans. But on the same by the same token, I think there has to be a recognition that without without sort of people that those institutions don't exist. And does a football club exist if nobody comes to watch it? Does a football club exist if there's nobody there to support it? I realise that's a very sort of esoteric kind of, yeah. you know, existential. Kind of, well, it's an existential kind of question, but there should yeah. be there should be some sort of recognition that it doesn't have to be this way. It doesn't have to be this this corporate use of language. It doesn't have to be so secretive. Yeah. I'm sorry, we cannot say anything about this. Well, why not? Why not? Why yeah. can't there be a mechanism? What damages are going to make? Yeah. Why can't there be a mechanism? Whether it's the only owners and directors test, whether it's transfers, whether it's you know, whether it's whatever that we have, that we shine a light on on what the clubs are doing and and what the Premier League is doing and what the lawmakers are doing. It shouldn't be that difficult. It doesn't have to be like that. And I do think. I mean, I know that the owners and you know the owners and directors test has been has been changed, but this you know the whole idea about football is that we're all in it together and yet when anything important happens fans are excluded people are excluded and fans should be part of it you know there should be a mechanism of just being able to explain even if it's just one word here a sentence there a statement here or there what has been going on because this is just it's just it's it's horrible and it's it's you know it's unacceptable as far as i'm concerned Oh, ladies and gentlemen, Harry's sponsors, Pod on the Tyne. Uh, as a listener to the podcast, you can start shaving with Harry's today by claiming your trial set for £3.95. Support our podcast and get your set delivered to you, including a razor handle, five blade cartridge, foaming shave gel and travel blade cover. And going to harrys.com, uh, Pod on the Tyne, right now, we'll get you that trial pack. That's harrys.com forward slash pod on the time. How come I have to read these all the time? Why can't we get George to do one of these sometime? George, you're the one who's used these Harry's razors. My cheeks have never been smoother. <laughs>
I can do that. Wonderful. If you want me to do that, I'll just clip clip that. Here we go. Harry's razors. My cheeks have never been smoother. One of the things that stood out for me in the in the interview with Amanda Stavely was the the mention of a second bidder or other bidders or other people potentially coming in to buy the club, and she unequivocally said there are no other bidders. Now that is in complete contrast with some of the reports we've been reading in the last couple of weeks about Henry Maurice this uh, and Clear TV in America and this guy who's apparently wanting to bid £350 million. The background on him is very sketchy in that there isn't any. Um, the idea that this guy has the money to, to buy Newcastle and take it forward again is something which is up for contention. Um, but Amanda Stavely was insistent in your interview that there was no other bidder. Is it, I mean, does does that ring true with you, George? Is that how well, you see it? Well, I mean, so again, in this in this whole process, I mean, I suppose I'm not, I'm now going to contradict myself because because I suppose in this whole process, one of the difficult things is that there have been briefings left, right, and centre. Whether it's from whether it's from the consortium, whether it's from yeah. be in, whether it's from other people, and so you've got this kind of claim and counterclaim, and you can't see the you know you can't see the wood for the trees because of that. And I can. Again, I can completely understand why why supporters could feel sort of disenfranchised by that by that process. It is very very difficult when you when as journalists you're you're trying to find out what's happening. You're trying to speak to people. On the one hand, the club would say nothing either on or off the record. The Premier League will say nothing on and off the record, and so you're left using relationships you've had. Now, I've known Amanda Stavely, and I've known that side of the bidding group for three years. And mm-hmm. so I've tried to use that to to try and find out what's going on. But obviously, it's only not only is it just one side. It's not even one side because it's one part of one part, three yeah. three bidders, and but it is only one side. Now they've been very kind of clear and adamant that that kind of reports about other bidders are not are not right. But we have. To, what I wanted to do in that piece, and what I've done is I've quoted her. So she has said that. That's not me saying yeah. it. That's yes. her saying yeah, yeah. that. And we don't have any confirmation either way. So I was very happy to put her on the record saying that. So, you know, again, one of the ironies about this is that that's precisely what people said about her, you know, three years ago. You know, two two years ago, three years ago, that she that she was this fantasist, that she didn't exist, that you know that she was, yeah. you know, that there was no money there, um, and and now that's being said, and now that's being said about others. Chris has made attempts to to sort of dig further into uh, into Henry Maurice and to and to make contact with people around him with very limited um, results. The feedback from as I say, from Staveley, was that they, you know, that that Maurice was not a serious candidate. They've said again that Mike Ashley, you know, Mike Ashley and the people around him may have met him, but they weren't convinced that it was going to go any further. I guess with that, we'll have to see, you know, we'll have to see just how desperate Mike Ashley is to sell at this point, and whether, you know, whether there are any legs at all in in the in the piff backed deal, and you know. I mean, the prospect of us going through all this all over again right now is one that is very difficult to bear. I must say. Mm. I mean, the whole the whole thing from start to finish has been absolutely fucking exhausting, hasn't it? I mean, God, when you think back to when you think back to January when all of this broke and there was the the uh, article in the 
Wall Street Journal and and obviously George, you've been sitting on this for a little while as well because you knew about the background of this whole bid, how it was prepared and how it was put together. But it just feels like a lifetime ago, and and what has happened since as well, not just with the football club but kind of in the world as well. It's it, oh, Jesus, I just I feel like I need a good lie. I feel like I need a good lie down now. It's just absolutely well, just to, just to taking the wind out of me completely. To tell you how long this has actually gone back, before George or I actually started at The Athletic, George was, was telling me about the fact that Amanda Staveley was interested in buying the football club again and all of all of the way through basically the second half of 2019, yeah. there was, this, was, this was bubbling on the background and George sort of and I sort of didn't really want to acknowledge it until it got to a point where we thought it might happen because there's so many, over the last 13 years, how many prospective takeover bids has there actually been and so this is this is what the background to this has become and and in january it, it was sort of like the, the even before uh it, it obviously got published in wall street journal to begin with i remember around sort of boxing day time george said to me this this could happen sort of any sort of day sort of time that this 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 could this could be a thing and then this, this is what we mean about it. It, it. it haven't been different this time. I mean, you only have to go and look at Lee Charnley's statement as compared to the statement that was released by a source close to Ashley in January 2018, when then he was <laughs> stably yeah. was dismissed as a, as a time waster. This time, that's not what the statement says. The statement no. leaves it very much open from the club and from Mike Ashley that potentially he would be interested in, in dealing with Amanda Savey. Now, Henry Maurice, we, we, I have, as, as George said, I've tried to, to, to make contact. I haven't been able to independently verify some of the other reports that are out there yet, but nor have I been able to to reject them either he remains a mystery sort of figure in many ways there are other groups mentioned i know of of, of other brokers trying to to reach out to people in the northeast and trying to say we're putting together this bid or we've got these people interested one of which is another us based but until that actually gets to a point whereby they are at that point of the owners and directors test we've had this so many times over the last 13 years that it's hard to, it's hard to see it at, at, at that stage I think that if, if other prospective buyers did come in and got to that stage, then there wouldn't be all this necessary negativity which there is there about Maurice. I think a lot of people have seen Maurice, uh, whether that's fairly or unfairly, as, as sort of like the alternative candidate, the the, the, the be-in candidate or the Mike Ashley candidate. I have no evidence to, to support any of those theories, and, and, and I don't know how true any of that is, and I suspect it probably isn't. But the the if someone else comes along and gets in a position to buy the club who isn't Mike Ashley, then I think that, that fans will get behind that. But at the moment, it's difficult to see where that's going to come from because it's all well mm. and good people coming out and saying there are so many people interested in buying Newcastle, always will be interested in buying Newcastle. Yeah, there has been for the last 13 years, but it's still unsold. That's the problem. Yeah, and I think I think the thing I think the thing that appealed about about this bid, I mean, finally, once they got beyond, you know, once they gone got beyond the difficulties of sort of all dealing with each other and getting getting around the table, is that the, you know, the Saudi money was a game changer sort of for everybody, but including for Mike Ashley because they have so much money, you know, that that can be a cash, you know, three hundred million is a cash, you know, is a it's a cash cash purchase for them. It's not borrowing money to finance it. It's not an instalments. It's not it's not that. And I was told that you know, so one of the things that we repeated throughout the whole thing was that you know if and when the premier league gave approval it would take a few days to it would take a few take a few days to get the money through and all that that they actually moved the money i mean i know that's not you know not in suit not in suitcases um but they moved the money to to a london bank and and held it there so it was ready to go so it was ready to go quick more quickly so you know they <laughs> you can see why that would be appealing for a for a fella who's you know other parts of his businesses are being affected by pandemic and and so on and so forth that the, the money would just sort of be there and 
just to go back to something that Chris said there about this thing taking taking a year. It's 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 I mean, it's three years, really, but it's it's this latest version is a year and He's right. I mean, it goes back to when Rafa Benitez was still manager because I was being told at that point that there was still confidence. There was confidence that they would be able to get into the club before Benitez had left. Now, that was also before Saudi became involved. So I don't know. I don't know what the makeup of the deal would have been at that point. And obviously, it obviously it didn't happen. But it, those conversations have been. I, I swear to people. Those conversations have been going on on a daily and weekly basis for the last 14, 14 uh, months or so. And it's very difficult to be able to talk 100% honest, openly and honestly to people um, about that because you're obviously, you know, you're sworn to secrecy or you're told, you're, you're told stuff, you're told stuff um, kind of off the record. Um, and I think our policy has been to really wait until the last possible moment before acknowledging that this was a serious proposition. I mean, I think you know we felt that we felt that was very important. There were two reasons. I mean, there were two reasons for that. Firstly, because you know we've heard it all before. I mean, that's not that's not to sort of uh, denigrate the people involved this time. But Newcastle fans have heard this all before. They don't just want to hear that that people want to buy the club that's not that's not of any interest anymore people want to know that it's going to happen and so we waited yeah. until well i mean effectively waited until it came out elsewhere but until there was a body of evidence that we can actually go to and say look this is this is what the plan is this is what they've got this is who they are and this is where the money is from and all that and then the other thing you know the other thing is that um i can't remember what the other thing is it's been that kind of week hasn't it <laughs> Basically, those those three pieces that we've referred to in this in this podcast, the one by Matt Slater, which is kind of looking at the B and, and the Premier League side of things, and the two by by Chris and, and George, uh, they're all available uh, on the website at the moment, and you can read those free as well if you take advantage of the thirty uh, day free trial uh, by going to theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle Pod and a thirty day free trial there for all of those articles and all of the other articles that are on the website at the moment um lads unless there's anything else you want to cover in this um or if we just feel like sobbing gently for five minutes until until the podcast music finishes uh we'll we'll start to wrap up yeah i I just want to make one final point though before i do sob for the rest of this weekend um the basically that that obviously newcastle united are still operating as a football club amidst all this uh, it's been the message behind the scenes has been business as usual throughout. Business as obviously, usual, yeah. Obviously, it hasn't actually been business That's as usual, sure. but n- but now, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, because the business now... is usually a fucking mess, isn't it, Chris? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> fair, fair point. Fair point. But now there's there's I think it's five weeks until the start of the Premier League season. The transfer window opened on Monday. Pre-season training starts. I think it's about seventeenth of August, something like that. Now it is over to to Mike Ashley and Lee Charney to 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 support Steve Bruce and the current playing staff. Lee Charney's come out and said that they are going to do that. Well, it's essential to do because it definitely, as a bare minimum, they need a good striker. But they also need a left back. They need a midfielder. They need a right winger. They need that squad to really be bolstered ahead of the new season because they've got away with it a lot of the time this year without having a proper uh, goal scorer. That It's a difficult situation for everyone, but Newcastle, and it's a market whereby Newcastle's uh, transfer 
budget has been affected by COVID, but really Mike Ashley needs to look beyond that. And if he does have any aspirations of selling a Premier League club, a club he can guarantee will be a Premier League club, he needs to make sure that Newcastle bolster the ranks in the next few weeks. Because every fan looking on and, and all of us journalists, I think, looking on, realise that they are going to be in for a real slog, if, certainly if they don't sign a proper centre forward. Yeah. Absolutely. Well... Thanks very much, chaps. We'll wrap it up there. Um, in uh, a ver- what has been a very, very strange week and a very, very strange few months, uh, and yet again, it is a case of what could have been for Newcastle United. Uh, we go again, we dust ourselves down, and we look forward, or do we look forward? We look sideways at the new Premier League season, uh, which is just on the horizon. Thanks very much uh, for listening again throughout the season, for all of those people who've uh, supported the podcast, and for all of you guys who send us nice messages on Twitter, and also the ones who send us not-so-nice messages on Twitter. Thank you all for engaging either way, whatever it is that you do. Uh, We appreciate it an awful lot, and thank you to Chris and George for all their hard work this year as well, and everything that we've uh, we've been through together with regards to this podcast and specifically uh, with this takeover uh, and its rumbling saga which has gone on and on and on and has now uh, finished. Thanks a lot for listening. Look after yourselves. Make the most of your weekend. We'll speak to you soon. Goodbye.